The New York subway shooting suspect is caught. This is a public news service daily newscast update. I'm Mike Clifford. A man who police said was a suspect in the Brooklyn subway shooting, Frank R. James, taken into custody Wednesday, about 24 hours into the expansive search that erupted after a gunman shot at least 10 people in a train station. That from the New York Times. The Times reports Mr. James arrested in the East Village, officials said, and has been charged with having committed a terrorist act on a mass transit system. That's according to the U.S. Attorney for New York's Eastern District. If convicted, Mr. James could face a sentence of up to life in prison. Doctors, judges, juries, and law enforcement have rejected a dozen child abuse diagnoses. Made by a former University of Wisconsin pediatrician, her name is Dr. Barbara Knox. That after a joint investigation by Wisconsin Watch and the Anchorage Daily News. Alfonso Claiborne was charged with first-degree reckless injury in 2016, after Knox asserted Claiborne had abused his then-three-month-old son. Claiborne called 911 after finding the baby unresponsive in his crib. A prosecutor dropped the charges more than a year later after other medical experts submitted other possible reasons for the baby's collapse. But Claiborne spent seven weeks in jail after getting caught with marijuana, violating his bail based on the false charges. When I went into jail, he wasn't walking. When I got out of jail, he was speaking and walking. I felt like I was kidnapped, basically. I was robbed and kidnapped. Claiborne's is one of 12 cases of Knox's wrongful diagnoses revealed in an investigation by Wisconsin Watch and the Anchorage Daily News. Knox left the UW in 2019 to lead Alaska Cares, the state's child abuse forensic clinic, amid an investigation into workplace bullying allegations. Knox did not respond to numerous calls and emails by Wisconsin Watch and the Anchorage Daily News requesting comment on the investigation. This is Jonah Chester reporting. And in Florida, reproductive health advocates are urging people to be aware of anti-abortion groups known as crisis pregnancy centers. They offer pregnancy tests and counseling to discourage abortions and sometimes other resources such as diapers. The Florida legislature recently banned abortions after 15 weeks. And this week, a judge deemed the 24-hour waiting period for an abortion constitutional. Lisa Kovacs with the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund says it's important to have accurate information about the full range of options, including parenting, adoption, or abortion. But these centers often use deceptive tactics to appear to be regular reproductive care providers. It's a serious issue that they're growing while there's just more restrictions to access to abortion. The 15-week ban just passed. There's now the 24-hour wait period. Florida has the second highest number of crisis pregnancy centers in the nation with 150. Texas is the only state with more. I'm Lily Volke reporting. This is PNS. And no news is good news for folks in Ohio enrolled in Medicaid coverage during the COVID-19 public health emergency. State Medicaid agencies are prohibited from disenrolling beneficiaries until the end of the month in which the emergency expires. April 16th is set to be the termination date, but because the feds have not yet notified states, advocates expect that deadline to be pushed to mid-July. Elizabeth Thurinara with UCAN Ohio says it's crucial that enrollees respond to any renewal forms sent by Medicaid so they don't lose coverage. The emphasis currently is on updating your contact info, whether that's their mailing address, their phone number, or even email. Just getting people to update those is imperative at this time so that they do not end up losing coverage. When the public health emergency ends, more than 14 million Medicaid enrollees could lose coverage nationally. 
Theranera says in the meantime, they should continue making use of the preventive health services available as part of their coverage. In Ohio, Medicaid enrollment increased nearly 20% between March 2020 and January 2022. Mary Sherman reporting. And Connecticut advocates are hosting a week of action, asking the governor there, Ned Lamont, and legislators to expand Husky. That is the state's Medicaid program to all undocumented immigrants. The Immigrant Futures Week of Action, hosted by the Husky for Immigrants Coalition, comes after a bill extending coverage to all undocumented minors failed to pass in the Human Services Committee. Carolina Bordaletto with the coalition says they want officials to include funding to expand Husky in the state budget. Healthcare is a human right. No one should be denied healthcare and a chance of survival because of their immigration status. Connecticut can include it in the budget to give healthcare to undocumented kids. It's a long-term investment in the health of Connecticut that will pay off. Today, immigrant parents and caretakers will head to the Capitol to share their stories. I'm Emily Scott. Finally, our Eric Kadoff tells us the salmon fishing season on the lower section of the Columbia River shut down a week ago, prompting folks to call for more action to save the fish. Bob Reese, head of the Northwest Guides and Anglers Association, says the April 6th closure directly impacts rural communities in Oregon and Washington. The industry that supports us and our families really represents one of the greatest transfers of wealth from urban to rural communities. Most of our clientele come from the cities. They want to come out and enjoy these beautiful rural settings along the lower Columbia River and have a chance at one of these prized salmon. Reese notes that this time of year, sport fishing typically represents the only source of tourism for communities along the Columbia. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service. We are member and listener supported. Heard on great radio stations, your favorite podcast platform. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.